Yes, ma'am, it does. It does. I'm going to pray, and I'm maybe you always do this, but please pray for me. Like, I'm, I'm really tired today and uh, keep wrestling with heart issues, not like, like heart attack issue, but like just I want my heart to always be in the right spot um, before I speak and preach and stuff. And so just pray for me as I pray for you. Father God, thank you again. Lord, you're, I just, you're just so good. I know I keep saying that, but uh, you're so faithful. Um, God, and I just pray as we've gathered here as, as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, God, just, Lord, that, that you do, that you speak to us through your word, God. That you help each one of us to, to listen. God, in that we respond, Lord, in the way you would lead us. God, thank you for being able to be a part of all of this. And I just pray that you have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in uh, the eighth month of our, of our reading, and so we're getting closer to the New Testament, which I, I can't wait. I've really enjoyed um, reading through the Old Testament, of course, but um, I, I love to talk about Jesus, <laughs> and so I'm excited uh, for that transition too. But we got, got a little ways to go, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Jeremiah, which is always fun. Um, he's the typical uh, Old Testament prophet. Uh, you know, if you just kind of uh, were compartmentalizing these guys, he's, he's the what seems to be doom and gloom, you know, uh, that he's standing on the street corner yelling at everybody to repent, uh, just kind of that image that we get sometimes about this. But Jeremiah's a real guy. I mean, he's a real guy that lived a life, and God's been giving him uh, some things to say, a tough, a tough message, uh, in fact. And so we want to just really understand who he is and understand what he's trying to say um, and so, you know, and, and just in God's fashion, he's, we've been reading about God's been in the habit of, of using younger people to help turn the people around. And we've, we've read that with several kings, and, and Jeremiah is no different. Um, he was called from a young age. Uh, in fact, it says in Jeremiah 1, uh, 4 and 5, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, I'm not going to take this verse and, and unload it on you and, and say all those exact things about you, but God had a plan for this guy before he was even born, and honestly, I believe that about us. I, I believe God made you, He knew you, and He made you for a reason and a purpose and a plan. Um, and, you know, the, the question becomes, am I, am I living in that? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing for the Lord? Am I fulfilling the purpose that, that, he, that he put out there for me? David talks about it in Psalm 139 about us being known, and he sets us apart, and uh, we need to go to the nations, right, and share the gospel. It's the Great Commission. So, we, you know, even though we don't have these exact verses necessarily about John Stitcher, right, like it is for John Stitcher, right? It's for me. It's for all of us. I just locked eyes with him, so I just used his name. Now he's mad at me. I'm just kidding. But God's put this same thing onto us. He knew us. He, he knows the very hairs on it. That's the detail and intimacy that it goes to. He knows how you've been gifted because he gifted you, right? 
And when we're in line with his plan, when we're doing what he wants us to do, he's equipped us for that, right? And so he's, he's going to take care of us. And so we need to do our part. There's this verse uh, in verse 6 there of, of Jeremiah chapter 1. It says, Then I said, Oh, Lord God. And, and really what that is equivalent to, I've said it a lot in my own life. Are you, are you serious, Lord? Like, are you kidding me? Like me? You want me to do that, you know? And he's like, oh, Lord God. And he actually says that quite a number of times. Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Oh, Lord God. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> like, really, Lord? But the truth is, man, God, God does his part. I know you may get tired of me saying that, but he does. And he equips you for what he's going to call you to. Absolutely. He's not going to send you out there as an orphan. He's got your back, right? But the key to it, we've, we've read about this, is that you're on God's side. It's not about God being on your side. It's about you being on his side and trusting him. It goes on in verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow, overthrow to build and to plant. And again, I think these things are still true for us today. We've been, giving a, we've been given a message, the gospel, to go and share you know, and, and throughout my ministry, I've always, I've asked myself this tough question, and I ask the church people this, and I don't ever make anybody stand up and answer it, but how many people have you actually shared the gospel with? It's a measuring stick. It's a gauge, and it's a question that we need to really dig into. And sometimes the answer doesn't feel real good, but I hope just like on the day of Pentecost, if we're dealing with reality here, when those people figured out, like, we just crucified the Messiah, I bet that was not a fun moment for them. And the Bible references is that they were cut to the heart. And then real change happened. And the church was birthed. And just look what God did through those people. It's awesome. So I don't know where you're at today with that question. And maybe you're like, and you're doing what Jeremiah, I don't know what to say, and I'm, I'm too old, or I'm too young, I'm, I don't have the energy, I, I don't... Uh, yeah, uh. we all do it we all got we all got our own excuses but how many people have we actually shared the gospel with and is that something we're willing to start talking to god about he already knows the answer anyway and start confessing that and repenting of it and and doing what he has asked us to do he's going to give us the words to say man I, i'm telling you we just got to go in faith Jeremiah has this long road ahead of him, man. This is not some easy, easy task. He's never going to marry. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to see the destruction of Jerusalem and the capture of Jerusalem. He's often known as the weeping prophet, as he's referenced so often. He wrote, he wrote the book of Lamentations that we'll be getting into. And what he ought to really be known as is the lonely, persevering, faithful prophet. Um, because he does a lot of teaching and pleading. He's trying to get people to turn around, prophesying 
and almost no one listens. And it's probably, you know, best that God didn't reveal the whole plan to him. I think that often in my own life and just uh, where God has led me, I, you know, never again, I, I share this story sometimes because I never dreamed I would be standing here in the pulpit where my dad used to preach, and that's still just the weirdest thing in the world sometimes. And I'm like, oh, Lord God, I'm like, really? You know, and, uh, and he keeps working and he keeps doing stuff, and, and I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad he didn't show me too far down the road because I would have probably been a lot more hesitant, you know, and God's good about that. God's good about, hey, today, I'm going to lead you today. I'm going to lead you today. I'll give you, I'll give you the manna for tomorrow. But today, I got you. I'm just going to take care of it today. Just follow me today. Follow me today. Oh, I always wonder, you know, I don't know if when you're, when you're reading these stories, you know, I hope if the time of persecution ever really comes for me that I'm faithful. Because some of the stuff that happens to these guys that we've read, man, it's, I can't even fathom it. Because we've, we've never really lived through that, Right? I mean, we're, I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody. I've, I've been guilty. But our feelings are hurt over high gas prices. And then when I look at what some of these guys were going through in the name of the Lord, man, oh, my gracious sake. And I hope when the time comes that the fact that the Spirit of the God is in me and in you, that we are faithful no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Jeremiah starts in uh, Josiah's time. So we got these two young guys kind of doing their thing right there together and he continues all the way into uh the captivity and the thing the thing is in jeremiah what we really see happening is a bunch of people who are acting religious but they've really gotten complacent man and if that doesn't describe the american church i don't know what does we love we love to look the part man we're really good at it we love to look the part but we've gotten really really complacent Jeremiah 7, I'm going to read several verses right here, but 3 and 4, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. And I want you to hear this. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. They had this thing, and they've almost made it into a good luck charm or a, this little token, you know? And sometimes we substitute just, just something. It can even be a religious thing in place of God. And remember, we, we told the story of Josiah, right? He, he got a little chest puffed out, man. God had been fighting his battles for him, and, and what did he do? Well, I can take on the king of Egypt, you know? And he went out and tried, and it didn't end very well. Some arrows, his life. Because God didn't tell him to go. He went. He started boasting about himself a little bit. And we're all capable of that, right? His flesh is there, and we're capable of it. And he's saying, don't, 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 don't cling to the temple. Cling to the Lord. <laughs> Continuing in verse 5, it says, For if you truly armed your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, 
You trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we're delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. I hate the word hypocrisy, but that's what we're talking about right here. And the reason I hate it is because there's a fine line in here somewhere. There's a line. And there's hypocrites, and then there's people that are really struggling and battling this thing out in life. And sometimes they look the same. Sometimes people are really repentant and trying to, to get through a sin issue, and it's, it's got a hold on them. And it, it, it's a journey, and it's a wrestling match, and all this is going on. And then there's this. The people are out there willfully doing things that aren't of God. And then coming into the temple on Sunday morning, they're like, we're delivered! Yes! And then Monday, they're right back at it. Mm. Hypocrisy. We get our dose of religion. We get our, our toes stepped on. We check the box. And then we don't look any different than the rest of the world. That's crazy. But I know that's what it's come to for some of us. I know that's what some of us do. There's no change in who we are. And God says, I can't bless you if you're going to live like this. I can't bless you. Jeremiah 20, 7, 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out in this place upon man and beast, upon the trees of the field and the fruit of the ground. It will burn and not be quenched. Man, these people, during this, they're out there making alliances with Egypt. They stopped trusting God. And they're trying to do it themselves. And they, uh, you know, hey, here's, here's this superpower and here's this group of people. And if we go out here and make these alliances and these treaties and we'll be safe and protected and gain and all this stuff. And they're linking up with these pagan nations. And God's just like, trust me. Trust me. He's the one that does the miraculous things if they just trust him. We're going to turn our attentions to uh, Jeremiah 17 today. Because I really think this chapter really encapsulates, sure, said that right, uh, what Jeremiah is after, what his message is after. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. Not a pencil with an eraser on the back, right? A pen of iron with a point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. It's unerasable. It's not going anywhere, right? They they are doing this stuff. Verse 2, while their children remember their altars and their ashram, beside every green tree and on the high hills and on the mountains in the open country, your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. And both their hearts and their action are backing up who they really are. And it's the same for us. I mean it. Like, again, I know not, we don't follow each other around. But if I followed you around or you followed me around, what would I see in your life? And what would you see in mine? Would you even allow me to do that? Would, I be, would you be allowed in my life to do that? Or do I got enough stuff that's shady and on the side and I uh, don't be looking? Their hearts are showing their true loyalty. They're into being like the other nations. They, they want what they have, and they're worshiping these, 
these bell gods, and because and these bell gods are promising fertility and, and food and wealth and all this stuff, and it, it, they never deliver. And they don't give God any credit for what he's doing. And guess what? Then they pass these values on to their kids and their kids and their kids. And that's how we've seen this spiraling of Israel so many times. But we don't do that, do we? We don't have divided loyalties. We don't, we don't pray on the same day we're looking at pornography. We, we, don't, uh, you know, we don't protect our own rights more than, than we look out for the justice of all. Uh, we're not concerned about getting more stuff. We're more concerned about using our stuff for the kingdom, right? We are. Are we about serving? Are we about seeking? Promotion for ourselves. Seeing our kingdom built up. I promise you, if you're willing to let God examine you, He'll show you. He'll show you whose kingdom you're building. But we're okay with it when it comes to us because it's not that bad. And we all struggle, and I'm only human. Hmm. And we can turn the word of God off just like they did Jeremiah. You can get your toes stepped on. You can walk out of here and go entertain yourself to death, man, so you can forget what was said. You can do that. We've probably all done that at some point. We get wrapped up in all kinds of fun things that distract us, right, from what's really going on. Sometimes it's bottles or drugs or hobbies or sports team. I don't know. I don't know. But we do it. We do it. Jeremiah 17, 4, You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. It's so foolish to trust in wealth. And we get all these warnings on our stuff, and we think that's our security blanket. And I've, again, I have done it, and I know I'm guilty. And I know, man, if we look across our culture and our country, money is the American idol. Uh, there is no doubt about it. And I know there's other things, but man, money is a huge deal. I mean, I know for a fact, you start tracing some of the big issues we're facing, someone's at the end of that line, lying in their pockets. That's what's happening so often. And it's easy for us to look out there and be like, man, the politicians or whoever, fill in the blank. And God all the time is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are we the same, just on a smaller level? I don't know. What are we doing? Are we putting our security in the stuff, in the finances? There comes a point in every, in every nation where sin becomes too much. You know, Assyria, we, we read about that, causes the northern kingdom to fall, and now they're this superpower, right? And they can't be beaten. Oh, no, just kidding, because Babylon comes along. And now Babylon's the big bad boy, and they whoop them, man. And now Babylon's the superpower, and they're still the superpower to this day, right? No. They're not. What? They conquered Assyria. And Judah had been independent for so many years. It'd be seriously like America. We, everyone sitting in this room doesn't know anything but freedom. Just let that sink in. None of us know what it's like. I don't believe. I'm looking around the room. I don't think any of us know what it's like to live under communism or a dictatorship or a king. I don't think I'm missing anybody, right? We're all, we've all lived in a culture of freedom. And if that ever gets taken away, it's going to rock our world. Because we don't even know what that's like. And Judah's in the same boat right now. 
They, they've lived free, and, and then the, you know, the Assyrians do this thing, and they, they knock them down, man, and, and uh, then Babylon falls. Because there comes a point in every nation and every group of people where sin becomes too much. And Daniel even predicts that, the fall of Babylon. And then the Persians show up. And then Greece and Rome, the Byzantine Empire, the Arabs, the Mongols, the Ottomans. And then the imperial European powers kick in, man. Spain and Napoleon and Great Britain. And the 20th century rolls around and now we're starting to get in our neck of the woods. We know about the Nazis. The Soviet Union. Now we're starting to get in our world. You remember the Cold War? You remember how communism was, man, could it be defeated? And just that sense and that feel of just this mega power Soviet Union that was everything against what America stood for and this this tension that was there. And it really, like, there was this little pinnacle moment that happened in a silly little game in the Olympics. Hockey. Hockey, of all things. I'm telling you, that was a big deal and a big moment in that battle. When the American underdogs came into the Olympics, there's maybe a battle if you need to go watch it. You'll get all pumped up. It's like watching Rocky IV, you know, when you beat, beat Hockey Five and Drago. Except this was real. There was no way they could win. And they took down the superpower, right? And I'm telling you, the confidence that spread in the nation from that was a big part of some things. It was a big part of how we felt about communism. It was a big part of how we felt about Russia in general. Everything falls. None of those powers are still in play like they were. None of them. None of them. Hmm. Every great nation waxes and wanes. It bothers me sometimes, and, and I know I may get beat up for this, and it's okay, but bothers me sometimes when, when preachers and ministers get super political. Because do we really think that another president is going to save us? Are you kidding me? If that's where you're standing today, I love you so much. And I just want you to know uh, it will be God and God alone. That's it. I don't know if God's calling you to play the political game, and I'm not telling you not to vote, man. People have fought and died, and that's a great privilege, and I'm thankful for it. I believe you should go vote. I do. But no switching of a Democratic Party or anything else is going to save America. It will be God. And it will be because His people surrendered and repented and cried out, and revival broke through our country. That's what it will be. And we got to stop trusting and leaning on this, this game that's being played out there, and we're getting sucked into it. And you really think that's going to make the difference? They're lining their pockets. That's what they're doing. Money, I'm telling you, is at the bottom line of so much of this stuff. Even when it looks like it's for you and the American people. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Your trust belongs in one place. It's in him. That's where it belongs. I'm thankful to live here. I am. I'm so grateful. There's been so many people sacrificed, and, and I love the idea of what America has stood for, but it will never change because of a political party. Man's involved. People are involved. And we are evil at the core. We're selfish. 
and we want to go out for ours. What should we give ourselves to, to, right? There's really only two options. This is big stuff. We either give ourselves, you know, we like to create these little subcategories of things. We're either trusting man or we're trusting God. There's really not an in-between. There's not. I just, I believe that. I, just like I believe you live for yourself or you live for God. There's really not an in-between. We pretend like there is sometimes. Israel was, was pretending like they were too, right? They were coming into the temple and we're delivered. And they were singing the worship songs and the hymns. And they were maybe probably tithing. And, and they were doing the stuff, man. And then they're going out all week long and living against God. And just because you're practicing morality doesn't mean you're living for God. So stop hanging your hat on that. We could talk about what the Bible says your good deeds are like. That's really gross. We won't today, but it's about living for him and walking with him and having a relationship with him and trusting in who he says he is. Verse 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man. See, the Bible says it. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose, whose heart turns away from the Lord. You can't trust in your boss, your spouse, the president, your pastor, your best friend. Even yourself is untrustworthy because all those people I just mentioned are sinful. But we can trust in God. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Mm, nobody. Verse 6, he is like a shrub. This is like a, a tam- they call it a tamarisk plant, I think, a tamarisk plant. Yeah, tamarisk plant. And it's this little spring shrub that pops up and it's really like grainy and pretty and then like the dry winds come and just kills this thing and it breaks off at the at the kind of the ground level and then it blows around we, we see something similar when we go out west it's called tumbleweed okay so just have that image in your head he who trusts in man is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come he shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabitable salt land you guys i've seen this i've been privy uh to i I was thinking through these stories while i was working through this and uh there's been two moments in my life where there were two uh, folks sitting in front of me um they were years apart they had nothing to do with each other but it was these two individuals both times both of them seeking god or at least they said shared the gospel did what I felt like I was supposed to do. And in both times, one person chose God and one person didn't. And I wish I could put their lives up on this film, up on the screen today and let you see what happened. You put your trust in man. It's going to end up being worthless, man. What's Jesus say? You can gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You and I, uh, Miss Betty, was sitting right here yesterday, her empty body. We're, we're all going to be right there. All of us, we're headed there. And you're not taking any of your stuff with you, I promise. None of it. Not even this. Not even this. Not taking it. It's going to stay right here, and it's going to turn back into what? Dust. That's right. Don't put your trust in any of it. Put your trust in him, there is another way. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Trust means that you depend on your life with him. Your foundation is him. What you believe in is him. Your identity comes from him. 
All your confidence in everything you do comes from him. That's trust. That's trust. I'm going to give you another picture. I know I've said this before. Shay and I went to Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, Africa, and uh, still one of just the coolest places I've ever been on the planet. And there's this massive waterfall there that you can't even see the whole thing because it's so big. And day and night, 365 days a year, water's pouring off of that thing, more water than I can even fathom. And I'm sitting there looking at it like, what? It doesn't like run out? I mean, like, it's just insane. And then it falls so far that the splashback goes a mile in the air. And it's just, you're, I couldn't even talk. I was sitting there like, oh, oh, this is crazy. It's crazy. And I know I've even showed that picture where Jeremy, my brother Jeremy and Shay and I are standing there. And we look like we're in a monsoon. And it's not. It's backsplash. This is nuts. But one of the coolest things is the entire area around Victoria Falls is this lush green jungle. And it never dries up. Ever. Now let's read. Jeremiah 17, 8, he is like a tree. Those who trust in the Lord is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. The rest of Africa area I was in was very dry. Very dry. In fact, it's how they control the animals. They put the watering holes where they want. And then the lions and the elephants and all the dangerous, crazy stuff out there can't wander very far away from the water holes. So they, the water holes are man-made. And that's how they keep the animals in the safari parks. They don't wander away. They can't get away from the water. And the rest of the country is so dry. Do you think the Victoria Falls jungle cares about that? No, man, it's so green. It's growing. It's beautiful. I loved being in it. It was like cool weather. It was like air conditioned all the time. It was awesome. Because it never stopped being watered. And that's what it will be like for you, brothers and sisters, when you trust God. That's what your life actually looks like. That's better than winning the lottery. I know we think that. I've heard that so many times. I just pick on that because I hear it all the time. If I won the lottery. And then we try to act like we're joking. But we're really not because we think that money would fix something. I want you to do yourself a favor and go read all the stories of the lottery winners and how they're bankrupt today. You want to know why? Because money's not going to change your habits. No amount of money is going to change your habits. You either trust in God or not. That's just the end. Some big fat check is not going to change who you are. It's just not. Only God can change who you are. And he's only going to do it when you invite him to do so. We have got to trust in God. Well, that's easy, Jeff. Thanks for saying that today. We're all just going to go out and do that. I know. It's not easy. And the reason it's not easy tells us in verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So you walk out the door and you're no longer getting truth poured into you, and now the lies are coming, man, and they never stop, and the world is bombarding you with all this stuff. And that's why it's so important to be in this relationship because all that's out there is a lie. It's all a lie, even the best intentions, man. The only truth comes from Him. That's it. And the only way you can see it is to know Him or you're going to be deceived in your body, your heart, your flesh, all long to be deceived. It's crazy. 
And no amount of willpower will ever overcome this. We have to surrender. Don't follow your heart. It's bad advice. I haven't struggled with this. You know, I know people come to me and, and I do some counseling sometimes, but I, I really pray and wrestle with God on that because I'm a sinner. You know, I, I, I'm so hesitant to give advice. Like, I, I want the Word of God to advise. That's really what I want. I, I want us to get in the Word of God because that's where truth is going to come from. And, I, and if, I'm, I'm telling you if, you, are, if you are lined up with Scripture, your life is going to look differently. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I promise you there's an answer for it right here. I promise. And it's all tied into the Spirit. We like to act like it's not in America. These are just material things, and this is just a choice and a decision I made. I'm, I tell you, I'm telling you, you are spirit. You're spirit, and everything is tied to it. And so whatever you're choosing and whatever you're doing and whatever you're speaking is tied to spirit. Mm. That's why we have to have God in our problems, because he doesn't have sin. What a great counselor. The one that doesn't sin. That's awesome. That's where we need to start. Where he leads from there, you follow. He'll lead you to the right places and doing the right things. He is where we need to seek first. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds, like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch. So is he who gets riches, but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him. And at the end, he will be a fool. All good things are from God, but I want you to hear this. I said it in my prayer. We still don't depend on the blessing. We depend on the blesser. That's a huge deal. I know it just rolled off the tongue in about two seconds. That's a big deal. We get these blessings from God and we end up clinging to them like the people did. They had the temple and they're like, where's the temple? Where's the temple? I'm dancing. I got to stop this mess. I'm going to blow out a knee. And they substituted the temple of God for God. We do the same thing. God gives us these incredible blessings and this, these gifts, and, and we're supposed to be stewards, and they end up becoming our idols. And God's like, hello, I'm right here. We can't let the blessing become what we're dependent upon. We have to be dependent upon God. Verse 12, a glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. He's talking about heaven. That's where real blessing is never going to end. Verse 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Mm. Don't give up anything for that. You know, the, it says in the, in, the, in the New Testament, can a leopard change its spots? No, of course not. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't willfully change. That is God's job. That's a heavy job, and that's his. You have to allow it. You have to allow it. You have to seek him first on all things. Here's the key to the whole thing. Here we go. Verse 14. Heal me, oh, oh Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Listen to this. For you are my praise. You are my praise. What's he saying? So what? Or so what moment? Real blessing, real blessing, not only comes from God, 
It is God. You know what the greatest thing about heaven is going to be? And it's not all the cool stuff we get to read about. That's going to be neat, by the way. Pearl gates. I don't even know what that looks like, but that sounds neat. And like, whatever. Anyway, we can get carried away on that train. We won't. All of it's going to be beautiful, but the real blessing is we're going to be in the presence of God. That's it. All the rest of the stuff is a byproduct, and it's great, and woohoo! <laughs> but the real blessing is we will be in his presence and no longer separated and divided because of this yucky flesh and sin. That's the real blessing. There's no material thing that God's going to bestow upon you on earth that will ever replace that moment. And what's coming, the reward is worth it. We have to admit that we can't trust God on our own. Wait, what? Yeah, your flesh. Can you change your spots? No. So not only do we got to trust God, but we got to ask for God's help to trust God. It's like loving God on your own. Good luck. You can't. You're your sin. You're separated from God. But you can cry out to God and get help from God to love God. Crazy. But that's what it's talking about. Fully dependent on God. Every fiber of who you are, your being, has to be dependent on God. You can do nothing aside from Christ. That's what it says. Nothing. You can't even love God without God. And if you don't, if you're struggling with that, that's where I would tell you to start praying and studying in Scripture. That's where I would tell you to go. What does that mean? God will show you. You seek Him. He will show you every time. We've got to humble ourselves and admit that we need a Savior. And then, lastly, we've got to surrender and I'll just keep on coming back to that one. Every day. Every day. Because I don't know about you, but it is super easy to get off the track real quick. Real quick. Somebody said, I don't even know who said it. doesn't matter. But somebody's like, I, I, I need it like every hour. <laughs> Some days, yeah. Some days, man, we just got to fight it and keep coming back and keep coming back. Because our flesh is at war against our spirit. James 5, 10 and 11 as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of steadfast, the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the, purposes, the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It's worth it, folks, and we can trust him. Matthew 16, 24 and 25, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Because whoever would save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He made a way. He made a way for the sinners to be forgiven. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. He is trustworthy. And he's going to deliver on his promises. And no matter what struggle we face, I don't know if we're going to end up in persecution. Maybe not. Maybe we will. I have no idea. But it, regardless, I'm called to be obedient and die to myself every day and follow him and surrender. Are you doing that? Am I doing that?
Or am I the desert plant that's broken and blowing around out here like a bunch of tumbleweed? Or am I the, the, this thriving jungle plant that ne- 